So let's pray and, and we'll just jump in here. God, we do thank you for today. Just thank you for the chance to be here together. Um, God, right, right here in Denver, right here at the Firehouse Church, we thank you for this church family. God, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you uh, for the gift of Jesus that you gave. God, we, we do pray this morning that you'd speak to us. God, we're, we're your church. We're your bride. And we want your input. We want your word. We want to live the life that you talk about, that you set out for us to live. We just pray you'd encourage us in that today. You'd let, we'd let your word speak to each of us. And we'd obey and walk into it. And we'd learn to walk closer with you. Just in the spirit, and we'd see just the fruits of your spirit being alive in our life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this series in Galatians, and like that title slide says, really is just all about living a new life in light of the gospel. We just talk about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, and him doing all of the work, and us doing none of it to get us to heaven. Working hard because Jesus did the work and we're saved, and not working hard because we need to try so hard to get to heaven and be good people. And it's been refreshing just to be reminded in that, just to see God's truth and have it penetrate our lives, that he's done the work, and we can have a new life in the gospel. And I want to open with a question this morning, and it's something I deal with. Have you ever wanted to live that new gospel life that we've been talking about this month? but you felt powerless to actually go out and do it? You had a sin you knew was wrong, but you kept just doing it over and over again? You tell God afterwards in your shame, I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to be different. I'm going to live different. And then a month later, you found yourself just doing the same thing again? You know, when we first become Christians, we each have a moment like the disciples where we're sitting in our old life, like Matthew at his tax booth, or James and John out on the boat fishing. And Jesus calls out to us, and he says, come, follow me. And we have this moment, and we decide, and we start this relationship, and we get up, and we follow him. And we accept Jesus, and we go on this journey with him. And we expect to walk away with Jesus and never see our old life again. We expect our sins to be gone, and go away with Jesus and just never see it. We expect to be totally changed from that moment on. And then something devastating happens to us. Our old life circles back around the corner and shows up, and we're not over it immediately. You go back out to the bar with your old drinking buddies. You look at pornography again like you did the years before. You speak harshly with your family or coworkers. And you think, was I really saved? Did something happen that Jesus came into my life? Is there any power... Or was it all just something emotional? I have all this junk in my life still. What's the deal? And we read verses like we did earlier in this series in Galatians. Uh, in chapter 2, verse 20, where it says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. 
I remember times in reading that verse and saying, I theologically agree with it. It's in the Bible. It's true. It's God's word. I'm a new creation. I'm new in Christ. But I just don't see it in my life. I don't see my old life crucified. I don't see a new gospel life. It's like a, that line from Romeo and Juliet. I had to look up where it's from. I'm not much into poetry and books. But that line, a rose by any other name, would smell just as sweet. I was thinking of it because it's like I can say I'm a Christian. I can say something's different. But what's different? And the devil gets in our head and says, you can call yourself a Christian, but a sinner by any other name is still just a sinner. That's what you are. It's who you are. And we hear this lie going in our head. And that's the context where God meets us here in Galatians 5. How do we live a changed gospel life? How do we live as a new creation? Like it said in Galatians just three chapters earlier that we could live. And the answer is that the scripture says somehow we can live life in the power of the Holy Spirit instead of life in our own flesh, in our own power. And so let's read through the scripture. I don't remember if I put it on the screen or not. Maybe I didn't. So if you have a phone, sorry I didn't get it in there. If you want to open up to Galatians 5 or if there's a few few Bibles and I'll go through it. Um, So we're in Galatians 5 starting at verse 15. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets itself against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, for they are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you were led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, Envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarned you. And just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So that's what we're covering. And so today we're just going to talk about what does it mean to live that new gospel life in the Spirit? And specifically, how does the Spirit give us power to live a changed life? How... In our own flesh, our own strength, we don't have that power. We're not going to be able to live a changed life. And then just a little bit of practical on how to live in the Spirit every day. And so first, I just want to talk about that power of the Holy Spirit that can be in our lives. And Paul makes some bold claims in this chapter about the power of the Spirit. In verse 16, it said, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Not you can think about it, not it could happen. You will not carry out the desires of the flesh walking in the Spirit. And then in verse 18, it says, If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. 
There's a different fruit coming out of your life walking in the Spirit. In short, the Holy Spirit enables us and it gives us, He gives us power to live the new life that we've been talking about in this series. And the first point on the screen up there is that the Holy Spirit gives us power to live a changed gospel life. So if you put your faith in Christ, God's Spirit is living in you, and His Spirit will give you power to live that changed, gospel-filled life. And there's a power that can be in your life because of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at a few things about what this chapter draws out on the power of the Spirit, and a few other passages that talk about it some. And the first thing is just that the Holy Spirit gives us freedom. Verse 18 says, But if you have been led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And what this verse is talking about is what controls our life. We're under one or the other. We're under the law or under the Spirit. The power of our flesh and ourselves or the power of God. And verse 16 says, Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. We talked about when we have the Holy Spirit, we have the power to not be just consumed and controlled by our flesh. The power to finally see change in sin areas that have beat us up over and over again. Power to live somehow a different life in the gospel. When the Christians were first filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, the people around them noticed something different immediately. In fact, they started accusing them of being drunk in the morning because they were acting so different. And kind of like being full of alcohol makes us act very different than we normally would and do things that you wouldn't do during the day. They thought the Spirit was making them act so differently that they must have been drunk because they're very different people than they were before it came in their life. And in Romans 8, 12, and 13, we're told, So then... Brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. So we're not under obligation to do what the flesh wants, to carry out its desires. We're free. Next, We're enabled to live a changed life because we can know what the will of God is. The Holy Spirit teaches us God's will. Jesus said in John 14, 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father has sent in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. So the Spirit teaches us what the will of God is. He brings the remembrance verses and moral standards in the scriptures, but it goes beyond that. He teaches us more. It says that he teaches us the very will of God. So the Spirit actually communicates personal things for us to walk into that drill down to God's will for our life, God's will for our church. He leads us into personal things. It's not just a living version of Here's a rule. Here's a rule. Do you remember that? Do this, 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 this. But it's something we walk into. 
It's a personal God drawing us into an adventure. That God that said to the disciples, come, follow me, says the same to us. Come with me on that adventure. But just having the freedom to choose God's will and knowing what it is, those two things in themselves won't lead to a changed life. Rarely when I sin do I not know what the right thing to do is. It's usually not the issue. I know I shouldn't get angry. I know I shouldn't gossip or be harsh with my kids. The issue is, do I have the strength to walk into what I know I should do? Do I have the strength to walk into God's will? And frankly, the answer is no, I don't. My flesh does not have the strength to walk into that life. And if you've ever just tried really hard to not sin and put your mind to it, it doesn't work. We lack power to change and to walk into God's will. And that's where the Holy Spirit needs to come in and somehow be at work in our life to make us go somewhere different. Both those verses about the Holy Spirit being able to change our life predicates it by saying we're changed when we're walking in the Spirit, when we're led by the Spirit, when we're controlled by the Spirit. That's when change comes. That's when the power of the Holy Spirit is at work. When Jesus raised from the dead... He gave the disciples this impossible mission. And he said, go out and reach the whole world with the gospel. It's kind of crazy to give this mission to just a few guys. But that's also when he promised the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit... I lost my place totally. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And whether it's reaching the world with the gospel or helping the poor or just not getting drunk for the day, we need the power that we receive from the Holy Spirit to act that out and to live that life. And God knew that we couldn't do these things in our own strength when he commanded them. He knew that he would come to us in the Holy Spirit and empower us to live that changed gospel life. And to leave our version of our tax booth and our being on the boat fishing, to leave our old life and to go follow him into something. And so the Spirit gives us power to obey the word of God, to obey what we know God wants us to do. Not only does he bring to remembrance all the things that are written, the verses we know, what we know to be right, he actually somehow gives power to go live a new life. Not to circle out of it and obey for a day and then just jump back in the muck, but leave behind the sins of our old life and live changed somehow. Next, the the Spirit of God transforms us, makes us different. I think we'll have a verse up there too. 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is actually transforming us to be in the image of God. And the word transform here is the same word that we get our word metamorphosis from. 
It's the same thing the scripture is trying to convey. And it's a dramatic transformation. Kind of like we think about when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. That kind of transformation is what this is talking about can happen in our life. And the caterpillar goes from being the little bug and the insect. And it goes into that cocoon and through, I would imagine, some kind of painful process. And eventually bursts out of it and becomes a beautiful butterfly. And when we're in our old life, we're like that caterpillar on the leaf. Just this little insect crawling around. And we can see other butterflies off in the distance flying. We can see people living it. But it's not a matter of effort. A caterpillar doesn't just sit on a leaf and try real hard and think about being a butterfly and it can do it. It has to go in that cocoon and be changed. And the work of the Holy Spirit in our life is kind of like that. It's like being a cocoon and being changed and allowing the Spirit to be at work in us to somehow bring about something and change us beyond what we can do on our own. And so the Spirit gives us the power to live that kind of changed life that we crave. And the phrase in this verse that he transforms us from glory to glory indicates that this process isn't immediate, but it's a lifetime process that goes on in our life. And God will continue to transform us and mold us into his image over the course of our lives. But unfortunately, we don't just go into a cocoon the day we accept Jesus and sit in it for a month and come out and then, bam, we're the perfect Christian. Got it all together, sat in the cocoon, life's good. We still have that old life. We've got the spirit in us, but it's not this immediate thing. It's a lifetime process the spirit wants to lead us through. And this kind of ties into the next point there about the Spirit and some verses that go on this of how the Spirit's transforming us, but it talks about that the Spirit produces some kind of fruit in our life. It produces something good that comes out of us when we're controlled by the Spirit. So back in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And because we're free of the law and we have the Holy Spirit in us, the Spirit can produce those things in our life. The fruit of being filled with the Spirit and letting the Spirit transform our lives is that those things start coming out of us. And they start becoming our character over time if the Spirit's working. The Holy Spirit gives us a power to live the changed gospel life because he transforms us and he starts producing that fruit in our life. And if that all sounds too good to be true, in one sense, it is. Because the Christian life, again, is not just praying one time, Jesus, come on my life and save me, and we're a perfect Christian. And life's all together and the flesh is gone. And this chapter goes on to contrast what the life in our flesh looks like. You know, it talks about that spirit-filled life and it's available to us and those fruits available to us and the power if we walk in the spirit. But the trouble is we still have our flesh. Galatians 5 paints a picture of the kind of things that pour out of our life if we go out in our own strength and our own power and our own flesh. And on the screen there, verses 19 through 21, 
It says, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you. And just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So our flesh produces bad fruit. And if we go at life without God's spirit at work in us, that's what is going to pour out of our lives. And the next point on the screen there is that our flesh will only continue to produce the same old junk. The same junk we had in our life when we came to Jesus. That's what's going to come out of it. The scripture says our flesh is wicked. And from it pour out those bad things. The very fruit of being in our flesh is immorality and impurity and sensuality. And just those three things describe so well of where our society is going at a million miles an hour. And it's because that's what naturally flows out of each of us. And that's what we do without God is just go into all those things that are described as coming out of our flesh. In fact, it describes our flesh as being at war with God. Verse 17 says, For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. And so our flesh has all this wickedness pouring out of it. And it's at war with God. It's in opposition to God. And all this stuff coming out of our flesh and being in the sin, it makes us feel far from God and in opposition to his will. And there's a reason for it. It's because we are far from God and in opposition to his will when we walk in our power and have those things coming out of our life. And God's not pleased with it. Romans 8, 8 says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And what we attempt to bring to God in our flesh is not pleasing. And when we're running away from God into the sin of the world, it's not pleasing to him. And when we live in envy, lust, and anger in our heart, it's not pleasing. And we can work harder, and we can try harder in our own strength, our own flesh, and it doesn't just make it better. It doesn't change the fact that that junk just pours out of our life and that it doesn't please him. And it gets worse because it's not a correctable situation. Our flesh doesn't get better. There's not a cure or a pill. It's terminally flawed. And if we've been Christians a while, our flesh just doesn't gradually improve until it isn't an issue anymore and it was something we dealt with at a different part of our life. It's always there. It's always an issue. And there's a lie of Satan that enters our life that the flesh gets better, that you can start to trust it, that if you've been a Christian a long time, you can do it on your own strength now. You have enough wisdom to be able to control it. You have enough power to walk on your own and deny the flesh. God has morphed it into something beautiful. All those things have probably gone through all our head. I know they've all gone through mine. And they're just lies of Satan to say, you can do it by yourself now. You know enough. But the reality is, whether you haven't accepted Christ, you did just recently or you did 20 years ago, the flesh produces the same thing. 
For the rest of your life, all that will come out of your flesh is that junk that was listed in Galatians 5. And as I talked about at the start of the message, if you've always wanted to live that changed life, but felt no power to get traction, likely you've been going about it in your own flesh, in your own strength. You might be trying really hard, or tried hard at some point, to live a different life. I know so many times I did try hard to do something different, to live different, and then I just fail. And in the end, I just feel hopeless and depressed and defeated because I couldn't do it. I couldn't really make change. I couldn't get over vices. I couldn't live righteous and live the gospel life because it's impossible. Our flesh is at war with the spirit. It doesn't just kind of line up with it and do 90% of the things. It's at war. It's on the other side of the room. And we cannot live that changed life that God asks of us. And in Galatians 5, there's a hard verse to deal with that takes us a step farther. I kind of want to ignore it. But it stares me in the face when I read this chapter. So I can't. And after it lists the fruits of the flesh we talked about, Verse 21 here, it says, Just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's a hard verse in the Bible. What it means is that if your life is marked by the flesh, marked by the things on the bad list, and there's not the fruit of the Spirit at work in your life, then you likely don't have the Spirit in you. Because where the spirit goes, it's at work. And he's going to produce things. Jesus said in John 5, 17, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. Where God is, he's working and doing something. And the spirit does something when he's inside of us. And a lot of people say, I go to church, I'm a Christian, I've been doing it all my life. And I don't question that, but that can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. But the scripture says if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior and you've been marked with the Holy Spirit in you, your life will look different. It's going to be evident. There'll be fruit of the Spirit working in your life. And that builds on what Greg was talking about last week. When we try our hardest to go to church and work hard and be self-righteous, there is no good fruit in our life. It's all from the flesh. We need to accept the gospel work of Jesus and let the Spirit be at work in our life to produce the very fruit of the Spirit. And it won't ever make our flesh go away or change, but it will let us live a life controlled by the Spirit that produces a new gospel life instead of the same old life in our strength. And again, if you're like me, that's where you want to stop and say, it's all well and good. I know the scriptures. I've seen some change in my life from time to time. And there are times where I've been living in victory, but I just don't see it enough. How do I consistently see God work in my life? How do I live in the spirit rather than the flesh? And there's a verse in Galatians 5 here that gives some wisdom from God on that. We're really just going to take away one practical point. We could do a whole series on it. I think we did a few years ago, but... Just one thing to try to live 
and walk into today. If you've been a Christian a while, you've probably heard it. You're going to be tempted to tune out. But the amount of power and work that the Holy Spirit does in our life might be tied into this one thing. And the last point up there is that we need to daily crucify the flesh and walk in the Spirit. And that's what that verse in Galatians says. And right after it contrasts those two lives of the flesh and the Spirit, it says, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And as we talk about this, it is important to understand we don't just walk in the Spirit by accident. If we don't try to do something different, our flesh will control my life. It will control my life. If I walk along and stub my toe, I don't know about you, I don't just automatically go, bam, praise Jesus, my toe hurts real bad, and start singing in the middle of somewhere and repeat the songs the band was just singing. That doesn't pour out of my life. What pours out is I'm frustrated and say, why did I stub my toe? I'm having a bad day and God put me here and I want to have this mope session and my flesh comes out unless I rein it back in. That's just what comes out of me. And even if our, we're saved and we have the spirit, our life will be consumed with what comes out of the flesh unless we make intentional choices in this area. And that's where the action step comes in there that we're talking about. And there's just two parts we're going to talk about. Just walking in the spirit, that action step that we're going to cover. And really it's just putting to death the flesh and walking in the spirit. Because we understand from Galatians that our flesh is always just going to output that bad stuff. It's going to be death. We need to just cut it off. Even as a starting point to have the opportunity to walk in the spirit. Our flesh and our spirit don't mix together to become somehow something good. Either we're walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. And God's only going to bless and do something with the spirit-filled life. It's kind of like if I have a glass of water and it's 90% water and put just a little gasoline in it. I still don't want to drink it. You can put a gallon of water in it. I still don't want to drink it. It's got gasoline. That's kind of what our life is like. God doesn't want the 90%. It's when his spirit's in control that he's going to work through us. We're told in John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I'm not talking about finding a pastor or a priest and getting in a confessional or our office and talking through it. What I'm talking about here is approaching God with a spirit of confession. To agree and tell God, I'm not walking in the Spirit. I'm going at life in my flesh. When we understand that all this sin and all this bad stuff and everything wrong that's pouring out of our life is because of us and our flesh and that we're walking in our own strength, we take a different tone with God. We tell Him, I'm sorry, I was walking in the flesh. I was going at it myself. And all kinds of those wicked things poured out. Please forgive me. And thank you that Jesus died to pay for this. And you're faithful to forgive. And that's just that first step. And for the second part, there's a lot of different ways to phrase it. Even as the Bible phrase it. But Galatians calls it walking in the Holy Spirit. 
It can be called being filled with the Holy Spirit or giving control of our life over to the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18, we are told, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. It implies that we can make a choice to get drunk with wine, and it will have an effect on us to get drunk and act foolish. So too, we can make a choice with the Holy Spirit to be filled and to act full of the Spirit. As we talked about earlier, the Holy Spirit can change our lives somehow and produce something different, just like being drunk can negatively. Someone else is controlling us. We're handing over control to the Holy Spirit. The late Dr. Bill Bright, the man that started the Navigators, came up with an analogy that has helped me understand this a lot. He calls it spiritual breathing. And breathing involves exhaling the things that will harm us from our body, the carbon dioxide, and then inhaling back in what we need to, to live, the oxygen. And he refers to the spiritual version of this as spiritual breathing because we exhale sin when we confess to God and repent of our sins and thank Him for being forgiven. And when we inhale, we surrender control of our life back to the Holy Spirit and receive the filling of the Spirit in faith. And that analogy is helpful to me for a few reasons. One is that if we skip that step of asking for forgiveness and turning from our sins and don't exhale, it's kind of like not exhaling when we breathe. You ever tried to take a really big breath and then breathe in more without exhaling? You just kind of look kind of dumb. Because there's no more room in your lungs. You probably choke. You can try it right now. It doesn't work. Our lungs only get so much room in them. And whether it's carbon dioxide or oxygen or nitrogen or whatever, there's only so much room in our lungs. And when they're full, you can't just keep putting more in. You can't fit new air. And when we exhale, it makes room for the air to come back in because the carbon dioxide gets out. And then you can breathe back in oxygen. And I think often we try to skip that exhaling step spiritually. We don't want to confess how sinful we are and try to start acting better and differently and turn from our sin. But until we let go of the flesh and put it to death, there is no room for the spirit to be in control. We're full. And another thing that strikes me about that analogy Dr. Bright uses is how often we need to breathe to stay alive. We have to take a breath of air every few seconds, all day long, in our sleep, involuntarily or voluntarily, to stay alive. I've always kind of been amazed when you think about, like, your brain can be doing something totally out, something totally different, and in the background you're somehow breathing. But then, when you stop and you think about breathing, like, you can't stop thinking about it. If you try to stop thinking about breathing, you just stop breathing and hold your breath. And then if you start thinking about breathing, you breathe again until you're really distracted. Maybe I'm too bored sometimes if I can do that. <laughs> but it's kind of funny. But it doesn't take us long in a crisis situation to realize we're pretty frail when you stop and think about it. If you're in a fire and the room fills up with smoke, it only takes a few minutes
Yeah, so if you're in a fire, it only takes so much time before you fill up your lungs with the wrong things and pass out and die. Or if you're underwater, if you fall under there and can't get back up when you're under the ice, it just takes a couple minutes before you panic, lose some brain function, and you're not functioning anymore. And if you think about it, we're frail and dependent to get oxygen every few minutes, every few seconds. And spiritually, we're no different. Our flesh is constantly trying to take over. And the devil is constantly trying to deceive us and take us out. And we need to be spiritually breathing throughout the day. Confess and be filled. Confess and be filled. And it's when we start making a choice to keep doing that in our day that we will see the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We'll never have a holy flesh. We'll always have a wicked one that needs to be put to death over and over again. And by breathing spiritually and walking in relationship with the Holy Spirit, we can start to see the power of the Spirit at work in our lives. We can have that peace and joy it talks about. We can be gentle and patient, even with difficult people. We can flee from sin. We can be ordinary. I know I'm very ordinary, and yet extraordinary things can come out of my life if the Spirit's at work. Just like it came out of fishermen. And this is why if we've been a Christian for a long time, and know some good principles in our head, it doesn't automatically lead to a righteous life and victory. It's because no matter how long we've been a Christian, we see power and victory and change only when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and He's in control and doing things. I know in my life, I think the biggest area that just took years to get over was the area of of drinking that I just didn't have success in for years. And there were years that I just drank too much and I made bad choices with alcohol. And believe me, I wanted to drink less. I wanted to use it in a controlled manner somehow. But whatever I set up to live differently, it just kept failing. And I was just guilty and powerless to change it. I'd be like, today I'm just going to drink two drinks and then it'd be five. Or I'm only going to drink certain days of the week or after a time of the day or whatever. I couldn't do any of them in my strength. I was powerless. And I went through years where the Holy Spirit would bring something up to walk into. And I just wouldn't want to do it because I could get a hold of it. I could control it. I could do it somehow in my strength if I figured out the right system. If I figured out the right way to do it. And I'd pray that God would kind of bless those steps, but I wasn't really willing to just obey the Spirit and walk into it. And finally, I started just obeying simple verses God was giving and walking into what he had for me. And in that instance, for a few years, he'd just been giving me verses of, maybe that's something just to cut out of your life and not have a part, be a part of it. And I'd be like, no, 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 that's extreme. That's for people in the crazy camp or something. I don't know. I didn't want to do it. And so for years, I'd say, I'm not going to do that. But what I'll do is only two drinks a night. That I can do, but I never could. And finally, after years, I just said, okay, you're giving me verses just to take this out of my life and give, give it up. And I was finally open to what does God want me to walk into personally today. It's not just some principle 
But I think there's something God has for me to walk into and obey in. And when I finally did that and said, fine, I'll just give it up completely because that's the verses I'm being given in the council. And when I walked into that, he finally brought a power to change in my life. And so one day I just said, I'm going to obey and I'm not going to have alcohol. And that was 11 years ago and I haven't had a drink. And it's not because I had the power to overcome it or I did something great. It's just because I let God and the Holy Spirit do the work they wanted to do in my life. And God brought power to my life beyond just what I had. And really this step of just asking to be filled with the Spirit and obey and walk into it for the day, it's the only step we're going to talk about today. Because we need to live that more. And as I was prepping this week, I was convicted that just day in and day out, I don't do as much spiritual breathing as I should. I live more of my life in my flesh than I'd like to admit. Too often I rely on if I get up in the morning and read my Bible and then go to work, I'll be in the Spirit and live a good day as a Christian and I'll be fine. But the truth is, I'm kind of fine until I talk to someone and then my flesh comes out. It lasts about 10 minutes. Quiet time in the morning is a great thing to get in the Bible and it starts our soul in the right direction. But it's only when we're choosing to walk in the Spirit for the day that we'll see any power to change and do something different. And when we string together choice after choice just to obey and to walk into something the Spirit has for us day after day, year after year, that's when character comes in our life. That's when change comes in our life. That's when a life of gospel power comes is when the Holy Spirit is controlling our whole life over time. And if we choose enough times in a row to obey the Spirit and not to sin and choose to do the right thing over and over by the power of the Spirit, eventually it does become our character. Eventually we are different. Eventually years go by since you lived in that sin you couldn't get out of because the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives. It does become a changed gospel life. It finally becomes where we can see Galatians 2.20 that our old life is gone and there is a new creature and there is something new. So I'd encourage you this week just to let the Spirit be at work, to do that spiritual breathing and see if the Spirit would just bring about that changed gospel life that you can't do on your own. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for today. We do thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. God, that you're in us. We thank you that you gave us a helper. You gave us the power to accomplish all that you have before us. The power to obey, the power to resist sin, the power to reach the world with the gospel, with the Spirit in us. And I pray you'd help us just submit more and more to your will and live more of the life in the Spirit and not our flesh. And we'd really see the spirit of life in our work, at work in our life. And we live new lives. Don't just talk about it or kind of see it as a theory. God, we'd be a church where people are really living a new life in the power of the spirit of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.